we'd make it here i wasn't sure if i was man i was so happy to have that i was so happy to have that break i hope you guys you know were able to see your loved ones a lot of you out there uh, when i spoke out to i was like what did you do for christmas everyone's like uh sorry i had the flu or a relative had the flu or they had covid or i couldn't get out there so uh to those of you who couldn't see the family sorry about that um it was a great break though i came back to a couple cool things one of them was this custom hat from patriot they even put my dog on the side got the uh, macho man randy savage kicking it right here thank you for the brand kit andrew salazar i really appreciate it but something that like really brought a tear to my eye when i got home was this right here from my buddies over at the number one supply chain see their sign right back there Maybe I couldn't. Do you miss my, my boards are over a little bit. It's a little red. Anyways, University of Arkansas. Look at this. I got back. The great guys over there, Brian Fugate and David Dobrozowski. They sent me this wonderful, wonderful degree in supply chain management. Take a look at that. Woo pig. It's got the beautiful school. It's got my name on there. Mom, are you proud? Shelly Simpson, are you proud? Woo pig. It says having not completed the prescribed studies, but for being a fantastic ambassador for the program in supply chain management. University of Arkansas ceremoniously, however unofficially, awarded a degree with no rights, privileges, and immunities thereon appertaining to yours truly. Thank you guys so much, man. You know, when I was at CalArts, I never thought that one day I would have a degree from the University of Arkansas. The roads life takes you on. Um, anyways, here, speaking of the holidays, we're going to get to Rachel. We're going to talk about the big CHRW news. I mean, what a thing to open the, the week up to. Apparently, this has been in the works for months. We'll get all into it, but let's start off on a warmer note. Let's get this year off started, right? Here's my favorite holiday video for the season. Take a look at this driver right here. UPS driver comes on the door. Roll the tape. UPS driver comes up to the door. We got the tape. Tanner? Here we go. Great packages. Zappos over there. I don't know if you ever ordered some shoes from Zappos before. They'll send you a nice pair, though. Get those Converse All-Stars <laughs> on your feet. He's got the scroll right on his shoulders. He's knocking on the door. Ring video doorbell. I got one of those. You guys get any great ring videos? If you do, send those to me. Tduner at FreightWaves.com. This guy right here, though, completely unfazed, total professional. I got to ask Justin back when he used to work for uh, the mail department if they ever got any uh, squirrels on him. As I mentioned today on the show, we're going to be going into uh, CH, CH Robinson. What happened to Bob Beasterfield over there? We'll talk about five ways to get paid as a driver. We got our driver perspective from Rooster and Super Trucker. They're going to talk about cleaning the top of your trailer. Highly important. Big snowstorms going through the area. Although big rainstorm over here in California. Actually, a lot of the country underwater today. Um, we're going to talk about fighting as team drivers. And we're also going to talk about a container ship Powered by cells. Is the idea crazy? I don't know. We'll find out. But first, we got to tip the band. So here you go. Did you know AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month? So if your business needs information about air and ocean trends, carrier updates, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance news, you get all that and more in an easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download right now from the Supply Chain Update Hub at AITWorldwide.com. So get your ass over there. Because right now I got to talk to Rachel Premax, the editorial director over at Freightways. Rachel, how was your holiday? It was good. I, I went to Michigan and 
it was really, really cold, uh, but I got there, had some flight delays, and now I'm back in New York. I was going to ask, did you fly Southwest? It's a mess, and I'm hearing from people out there that it's still a mess for a lot of them. Some people still not reunited with uh, with their luggage. They still don't know where they're going. So how yeah. about yourself? I have never flown Southwest in my entire life because I'm not, I'm not going to the Southwest that often. Um basically. But I, I've always wanted to fly Southwest because I always hear all these great things about it. And like, it's like a big business success. They broke into the airline industry. Uh, but yeah, me, I, I guess I'm not flying Southwest. It's not going to happen to me for me after all. Um, so no, I've never the- flown it and I still haven't flown it. Well, I mean, what do you think the takeaway is going to be for uh, for cargo, right? I mean, Southwest, or, and should there be repercussions here? They were warned about this. And uh, both unions came out and they said, look, we told this company multiple times that there's this tech debt coming. And it already reared its ugly head at a point last year, and it happened again. Um, what do you think this means for Air, Car- Air Cargo moving forward? Does this hurt confidence a little bit? It's hard to see the repercussions for, for Air Cargo. I, I would say it's probably just along lines of, it's really boring, but make sure your technology and your IT and your staffing is like actually works. Make sure you know where people are. It, it, it was really interesting to read that Southwest, the way that they did their um, flight crews is that they didn't actually know where they were at any point. It was more so it's like, oh, you're supposed to be scheduled in Chicago, but it turns out you're still in Dallas. Why? And just, just trying to figure out how to staff people, how to staff planes. When you don't even know where your people are, um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's actually pretty shocking to hear that such a major company has such antiquated technology. But I guess that's kind of the story of trucking as well—is <laughs> antiquated look, technology despite this huge scale. Brian, my friend Brian Bork over at Seco, he was like, "This caused a mess all throughout the holidays for their their cargo program. Not good at all." You know, I avoided flying completely. We rent a minivan. We started doing this in 2019. I got the dogs and the kids, and we just drive from Chattanooga up to New England every holiday. It's it's much easier now. My parents have a place in Virginia too, so we even have a midway stopping point on that journey. But Whenever I go on a long road trip, our favorite show, Bar None, is How Stuff Works. And one of the episodes that came on was New York City tap water, and it made me think of you. Because I haven't lived in New York City. I left there in the middle of second grade. I left Staten Island. You tell me about this. Does New York City really have the best tap water? They were going on and on about how it's the best in the country. I do actually prefer Detroit area tap water, but... New York is pretty good. New York is really good. I never filter. I don't use like a Brita filter or anything like that. I'm always, I'm a pure tap water drinker. Um, So I've only ever lived in places with pretty good tap water. Um, And yeah, I would say it's quite good. It's, it's, it's really good. Wow. Okay. See, vouchers for it. Although Detroit, some, I mean, isn't, that's not like Flint water, is it? No, they're on different like water systems. It's it's interesting because Flint and Detroit they're only about like an hour, hour and a half apart by by driving, but they're very like they're just like separate worlds, like different counties, different regions. Like there's not a lot of overlap between the two cities, at least in my experience. But yeah, we get our water from the Great Lakes, and it's really high quality water. Rachel, let's go back a couple months now. Let's talk about that C.H. Robinson news. And here is a quote from Bob Beasterfield. He said, 
we got ahead of ourselves in terms of headcount. Uh, this is from November 2nd. He said, we certainly didn't expect the market was going to come down as rapidly as it did. He obviously didn't read Henry Byer's article uh, in June last year on freight waves and, and didn't know that. But let's talk about this situation. What happened here? This was, a, this was a surprise to some people and no surprise to some insiders. Fill in the uh, blanks here. Yeah, so what what's happened with C.H. Robinson and Feasterfield specifically is that uh, investors and insiders kind of say that he didn't take proper advantage of the market upswings in 2020 and 2021. Uh, we didn't really see that massive, uh, you know, buildup of profits and assets that you would expect during uh, boom times for a freight brokerage. And it, it seems like the investors and executives and insiders really just wanted a new change, wanted someone who could not only take better advantage of boom times, but also someone who could, uh, you know, take advantage of digital transformations and and all of these sorts of, uh, you know, trends. So it it definitely, as you as you said, I think one side of the equation was like saw saw this coming for months. The other side is a bit surprised. Uh, but yeah, on, on Tuesday, uh, C.H. Robinson filed with uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission saying it was an involuntary termination by the company without cause. Um, so it's definitely a bit mysterious that there wasn't something, you know, I, I think that definitely raises a lot of eyebrows and gets and gets people kind of curious about what was going on behind the scenes. But well, it does seem to be an issue of just not really fully taking advantage of the boom times we saw um, early, a few years back. Okay, but that's not – some other people have some other counterpoints here. There's some theories, and I love a good conspiracy theory. One of them is from Supply Chain Matt, and he's talking here about a potential sale to DSV and how Beasterfields could have potentially screwed that all up. This past year, C.H. Robinson screwed all up. It says, decreasing volumes and prices equal lower earnings equal lower valuation. Bob waited too long and didn't get the deal done in time. It cost him his job, and shareholders have to accept a lower offer or ride out this downturn and hope to sell later. How big was that? sense of urgency to sell this company it's that's that i'm not so sure of it's an interesting theory but i haven't i haven't followed that as closely all all that uh you know the stock analysts and traders who reveal you know release notes and bank notes and whatnot they're really focusing on the idea of digital transformation lack of um and having that like lack of uh growth during 2020 and 2021. The other the other side of this is that he's been in the job since 2019. Uh, maybe to me, I think four years in some industries as CEO is a long time. In other industries, it's like you know, ne- let's get the next guy in. <laughs> but he did have a pretty long career at Ch Robinson. Uh, I think it was uh, since like 1999. He's yeah. been yeah, he's been at the company for practically almost the majority of his career, basically. I would like to see his style um, so through the years, like early 2000s when he'd show up to work in like the Jinko jeans. And as that progressed into yeah. skinny jeans and emo style, because you know, Bob did it all. Yeah. Well, you mentioned what's next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Pete in our comments says this, they should hire a truck driver with real world experience and what's happening with the trucking industry instead of some rich college educated types that are relatively clueless to what's happening on the ground. Do you think that C.H. Robinson should hire a truck driver? 
I think that would be a really interesting switch to having people who are on the trucking side more in executive leaderships at these companies. I, it's interesting because if you look at UPS, for example, they have a really long legacy of hiring from within their previous or maybe two CEOs ago. Um, he was someone who started off as a package handler in college and kind of worked his way up all the way up to CEO. So there, I think there is really a case for having executive leadership that has experience at all levels of the business because it's really the, the people who are, you know, driving the trucks every day, unloading the packages you know, for UPS, uh, you know, making those sales calls for, for uh, something like D.H. Robinson. Uh, they're the ones who have the most experience with the business. So it makes a lot of sense to, you know, hire from within and, and really promote an internal um, hiring practice and promotion practice. On the other hand, I'm not sure how many truck drivers, if I don't think C.H. Robinson hires any truck drivers. Yeah. Uh, time, maybe so it's that, time to start. Maybe it's time issue. to start, Rachel. <laughs> that would be a whole change in their business for sure if they suddenly became a, a carrier. But hey, who knows anymore? <laughs> Last serious question. Last serious question. Does this mean we are in for a train wreck of a 2023? I was looking at spot rates, seeing if they did anything. They actually had a little bit of bump because everyone was home for vacation. So they got up a little over $2, which was a nice sign. Our NTDLI, that's not including fuel. It's back down to $1.97. What do, what do you think overall? Uh, when I had Craig Fuller on before the break in the year, he was predicting that it's going to be rocky until June. Are you in that same boat? Yeah, so it sounds like we are. It, it sounds like the experts in this field are definitely waiting for earnings to come out this month for mm. these trucking carriers to reveal what actually happened during the peak season. They're yeah, terrible. Um, yes. So uh, whether or not the peak season was as bad as it seemed to be, which it seemed to be pretty bad. Um, that could really reveal a lot for this year. There's also another theory that uh, because, you know, uh, because retailers were, were really tried to stop imports, really tried to stop uh, piling, piling up any more inventory, that they are now going to run out of inventory and then they're going to demand a bunch of new products and we're going to see another, you know, boom in imports yet again. That's one kind of theory. Given the fact that, you know, the Federal Reserve is really pushing for uh, continuing to raise interest rates and drive down inflation, that seems a little less likely. Uh, but, you know, I, I think definitely looking forward to what companies say this month will reveal a lot about what happens in 2023. Okay, wait and see and brace yourself. Now you brace yourself. It's 2023. It's a whole new year. You can start off fresh. You can start off with the win. Got a trivia question here for you, okay. Rachel. It's from OK Boomer. Thank you, Joe Speezy, again for these OK Boomers. Rachel, this is a history question. It is from the Generation okay. X category. What did okay. oceanographer Robert Ballard discover when searching for sunken nuclear submarines in 1985? I do not know this. I'll, I'll give a wild guess. It's in a movie that came out before Bob Easterfield joined CHRW. The number he, the director of the um, number one movie in America is also the title of this movie. 
Okay, so Waterworld's the number one movie. James Cameron, dur- not Waterworld. Waterworld was a flop, wasn't it? Waterworld was the one with Kevin Costner. I Avatar. Like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> Avatar. Avatar is by James Cameron. He also did Titanic. Titanic came out in 1997. In 1985, the Titanic is what they found when they were looking oh. for sunken nuclear subs, Rachel. You should have, if you specified the location. The ocean. The ocean, okay. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Everybody go out there, subscribe to our newsletter modes and read freightwaves.com. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks. Take it easy, everybody. All right, meanwhile. Good morning, Jake. Well, good morning. Only dogs on this bus. The owners don't even go on there. They take them out to like some snowfield over here and all the dogs go and run around now back i've never done anything like this this seems kind of expensive i know like back in boston my parents had something like this going on when um when one of them was injured they would have this van combined it wasn't cool it wasn't like a bus like this but it was a van they would put like eight to twelve dogs in it and they would go hiking up in blue hills reservation with these dogs Uh, this looks like alaska or something i don't know this looks a little too uh post-apocalyptic snow for me I wonder what fair is on something like that. Good morning, Bama. Bama. I love Bama. Anyways, I bet Randy would want to ride that. Guys, stop the video. I want to talk to a gentleman over here about something that encompasses both ocean shipping and sustainability. Putting sails. What's old is new. Putting sails on container ships. Will it work? Is it crazy? We're just talking about hot air over here? I don't know. It's Tim Higginson. He's a president and founder at Cloud Foundry, and he emailed me a couple months ago, and he sent me some pictures of this crazy-looking boat, and I was like, you know what? We need to talk about this. Tim, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I You know, before we even get into it, let's show everyone a picture of this boat. Just so, oh, I think they can see it up in the corner. But take a look at this, this boat right here. What you're looking at is it's holding a bunch of TUs, a bunch of containers, and it's got sails on it. And it's supposed to arrive in port. And that's about as much as I know. Tim, happy new year. That thing is really cool looking. What is going on here? Yeah, yeah. So um, here's, sails have been around forever, but... Sails generally on boats have been on masts that run down the center of the ship. And that means you've got to get rid of a lot of your containers. You've got to get rid of your superstructure. If you put them in port, you got to change how the cranes work and all that sort of stuff. So if you put masts actually on the sides of the ships and you connect them at the top, like you see those uh, spars that go inward from each mast, you and they're removable so the mast can get removed Uh, basically at the deck level uh, before it goes into port and reinstalled when it comes out of port, then you don't have to change any of your port facilities or your cranes, or you get all the deck for the containers and for the superstructure. And the way this paired mass system works is that with those spars at the top, it's a self-regulating system. So it doesn't torque the boat, so it doesn't heal, so your containers don't slip off. And you need very little management of the sails. So it's a it's a very different way of looking about how to add wind propulsion to both existing container ships and new container ships for uh, the container ship industry. That you know a lot of these companies care a great deal about ocean stewardship and are looking for fast, clean ways to uh, take global trade to the next level. Now tell, now, tell me something. I, I was going to ask, like, what inspired you, but it's pretty obvious what inspired you. You know, old clipper ships and new container ships. So when and what made you decide to try and merge these two ideas together? Um, yeah, uh, the uh, basically, 
trying to, I, I always am looking to try and solve complex things and climate change is serious. The um, big, big shipping companies, um, you know, have whole teams of people working to try and solve these issues. And the companies that ship a huge amount of product across the oceans care a lot about ocean stewardship and are making commitments to their investors and everybody else. So, um, so just thinking about this hard for a long time and trying to think really outside the box, you um, and extrapolating from technology that really changed global trade in the 19th century. Uh, these clipper ships were incredibly fast and capable and completely changed how things worked. Um, this offers the same sort of thing, just extrapolating it to a new, the, you know, the new system. Now, as you design your prototype here, how many TEUs, for example, could a vessel like that carry? Um, it's really a very flexible system. So you can retrofit this onto pretty much any container ship of any size. In fact, you could even put um, what I call coastal container shipping. So you could have, you know, small ones that have uh, that really are sort of roll on, roll on, roll off and could go into small ports and just um, but. Uh, it fits on any size, really, and you can have as many sets of paired masts as you want. Um, they're independent of each other, but the so if you wanted three, a big ship could have three or four sets of paired masts. Um, a lot depends on uh, the implementation is very, very flexible. Interesting. Okay, so you're not necessarily trying to build the entire ship from the ground up. You want to, you want to do this retrofit. How does that work um, in, in your vision? How I'm trying to picture that system on like uh, like the Ever Given. Yeah. Okay. So this is so this is going to sound a little bit odd, but bear with me. So you know windsurfers, right? So windsurfer is a platform, and you drop the mast in here in the middle with basically no stays or anything else. It's completely removable, has a very flexible joint right at the deck level. And the offsetting force is the human body, right? But it's the, the entire sail mass structure is removable. Um, so you can think of this very much the same way. If you look at the photo, you'll see there's sort of a T joint at the deck level that can be attached either to the hull or actually to um, the container. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. This one shows it where that um, sort of inverted T is where the masts slot in. So it just, um, and that rotates horizontally. So you can slot the mast in from like a tug and then rotate it upwards. And that um, cylinder, the horizontal cylinder for the, say the front mast that you're seeing um, is attached to um, where a couple of the containers would be, and that's where the control mechanisms would be. Uh, so you can sort of see there's sort of a different color container right behind the horizontal cylinder. Now, I got to ask, so when this comes into port, big thing, before we even sell it, going into port, what do we do yep. about these side cells? Now, you said they were removable, but a gantry crane could struggle with something like this, could it not? Exactly. So what you do here, and you know, this is there's an infrastructure involved, but the, it's a much more flexible infrastructure. There, when the ship comes close to port, a tug, the tugs already go out to meet it, but the tugs actually remove the mast. They just rotate flat and get removed, and then they can be reinstalled on this whatever container ship is leaving port. So the masts are the only thing that is. Um, in place when the ship comes into the cranes is that 
port, that um, T cylinder thing that you showed a close up of. The masks go away completely, so they're not in the way. That's really one of the intents of this thing is that uh, to change, to make this uh, work with existing facilities and existing boats. You just retrofit it and you remove the masks entirely before they come into port and install them when they when it leaves port. Now, what kind of performance or what kind of benefit, uh, sustainability benefit, uh, fuel um, removal benefit do we get by using a system like this? Right. A lot depends on, no big surprise, a lot depends on a lot of factors, right? So um, how long the route is, what the winds are like, um, uh, you know, how efficient the ship is already, all these different factors. But um and this isn't meant to replace the ship will still have engines, of course, you'll have to get in and out of port and all that. But, you know, so you'd have to model it for any specific context. But I think you could, you know, easily expect, you know, at least a 40 percent reduction in fuel costs the, um, and a comp- at least a comparable speed. If you think of, um, mo- you know, the uh, you. Uh, you have to re- think about the way the most advanced sailing ships are working these days, which is the America's Cup, and they're going, you know, easily 40 knots, no matter what, even if the wind is only 10. So um, by you, so you don't go directly downwind, um, you tack, but just long tack, so it wouldn't be, it would barely be off, um, and you just, and you can actually achieve very high speeds uh, with essentially no engine power for the stretch that you're using the sails in the voyage. Interesting. Now, this is called the Quattro Tech system, right? And, and it makes sense yeah. for sails there. Now, is this system scalable? Like, what does it work on any size boat? What are sort of the parameters that you're gunning for here? Right. Um, the parameters are really fundamentally to start working one of, with one of the big shipping companies to actually put this in tanks and have them because they're the ones that know absolutely the best they just don't have a system modeled like this at all ever um at least to my knowledge nobody's ever shown anything like this so um it solves a lot of the problems that you're seeing in existing mass sail designs where the mass runs down the center of the ship is anchored to the keel heals the whole boat over and takes up all the space in the middle of the hull Interesting. You know, there's a picture of a ship that on like freight Twitter, it became a bit of a meme. And it's this one company that's promoting one that was like a um, a kite that goes on the front of the yeah. container ship and pulls it. Why, why didn't you go that direction? Why the Quattro four sails instead of trying to affix a, a kite to the front of your boat? Well, of a whole bunch of different reasons, but one more power to them. If they come up with a solution that works, that's great. The um there are too many different scenarios where you might a kite might not be workable, and this is a, a more proven technology in that you can see all the clipper ship scenarios that uh, where um, tall masts with sails that are very you know provide a lot of structure and a lot of um, power, but can be reduced in wind conditions or increased in wind conditions and all that are is a much is. This is a very stable, predictable um, system that, you know, the kites, I think, can, um, you know, uh, create a great deal of torque and unpredictability. And if you, if you know, just think sort of a, 
um, go on YouTube and look at some of the videos of spinnakers going out of control on sailboats, and you can see that it it uh, <laughs> you can have you can have some a lot of difficult things happening fast. You know, you mentioned that you need to talk to the steamship lines, right? Any interest from the MERS of the world with CMAs or any of these companies? Oh, absolutely. For instance, uh, Maersk has um, a whole center in Copenhagen dedicated to uh, innovation for decarbonizing the container ship industry. Yeah, we'd love to talk to them. Very cool. Well, hey, people who want to learn more about this, where do I send them to? Yeah, go to cloud.us, C-L-O-W-D, not U-D, C-L-O-W-D dot U-S, and go to the... um, uh, Clipper container ship page, and it's all the information is right there that you need. And then reach out to me, and it very, has a contact page. Hey, very cool. By the way, did you know that trivia question about the uh, Titanic that I asked Rachel? I, you know, I did, but your <laughs> 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 no, your hints are actually pretty good. I thought. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the ship. When you have uh, yeah. when you have one on the water, reach out to me. Let me know. I want to see some video. Absolutely. Yeah. No, if you want to, if one starts sailing to San Francisco Harbor and, and you want to come out and be there, just let me know. I do. I do. So if it, it, when it is, let us know. I'll be out there. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, pretty cool, right? Will it work? I don't know. Sounds cool. It sounds cool, though. I like it. I like the idea. I like the idea. I got to see it work at a port. So I got to go to San Francisco. By the way, our own Brielle. If you ever read FreightWaves Classics, we have FreightWaves Classics on our site. She's covering the Golden Gate Bridge. She's in a big write-up right now. If you have any, like, hints about the Golden Gate Bridge, send those over my way. I don't know. She, she wouldn't mind some nuggets, and I could win some points with the editor. Anyways, got to tip the band again. Do you remember? We mentioned AIT's Global Transportation Market Report earlier in the show. It wasn't that long ago. I hope you do. If not, contact your doctor. Capacity and pricing trends, air, ocean, and trucking, economic insights, etc. Well, what do you do once you have that useful data and analysis? You turn insights into action. You don't just sit on it. Partner with AIT's global network of subject matter experts and design a supply chain solution tailored to your needs. Get started today at AITWorldwide.com. Now, new year, new job, right? Want to get a new truck? Want to make some more money, right? You want to deal with this inflation out here? Don't want to get fired like the CEO of CH Robinson? Well, listen up, because I got Eric Calderon coming on from truckdrivingjobs.com, and he's going to give us the top five things you can do as a driver to make sure you pick that best available job in 2023, and don't screw yourself. Shoot yourself in the foot, right, Eric? How you doing today, brother? That's right, buddy. How's it going? <laughs> What's happening? Where are you sitting? I like the, uh, is that a shamrock on your hat? You a Celtics fan? No, no, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a four leaf clover for, uh, lucky, get lucky. Oh, <laughs> we need right. to be lucky out here. How's it going, big man? How was your holiday season, man? How are you getting lucky during it? Did you have a good time? Yeah, really good, man. Really good. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy 2022. So it's, uh, it's good to get into 2023 and, uh, you know, kind of start seeing where everything is landing for, uh, for the truck driving job market out here. So. I think we're all. Uh, I, I actually took a couple of days off, man. So it was my first vacation in like four years. So uh, it's it was nice to it was nice to sit out for a little bit. 
I'm with you. I got a little ring rust. I came into like the office today after a long break and I was like, how does any of this stuff work? I couldn't even spell, you know, I'm trying to like type and I'm like, what are these words? Anyways, so <laughs> let's help some drivers out. It's a new year. We're coming out of a very tough one. If you're in the driver market, I was just looking at this sonar chart and you saw like the mountain of rates just go down all year. No one wants to deal with no. that again. And you told me you've got some tips for drivers to get them out started. Right. So let's start with the first one. What do you got? Yeah, totally. So uh, number one, I think, is drivers got to know what they're applying for because there's a lot of different services out there. Um, you know, there's you can a driver can make an application at a multi-carrier service, and sometimes that's really good because if you don't have a lot of time, you can apply at one site. You can go to uh, you can go to truckdrivingjobs.com and do this, and basically they'll match you with a bunch of different carriers that uh, will will have jobs available for you based on your experience and stuff. That's really great if you don't want to be doing a lot of searches, spending a lot of time online. You can get yourself uh, – sorry about the driver calling. Uh, you can get yourself a lot of phone calls, um, and uh, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about what to do when you get those phone calls. Sure. Another thing you can do is – Fit, right? First one. At- but let's, let's make this easy. Everyone, first one. Number one is fit. Make sure the role, first and foremost, we are in a business of massive, massive turnover. A lot of times it's because of point number one, you took a job that didn't fit. What's number two? So uh, you could apply uh, to direct or third-party recruiting services. Those are kind of cool because, uh, you know, especially the third-party recruiting services will help find you the job. They can kind of pre-screen the companies for you so that you're not wasting a lot of time. And then there's also staffing uh, positions available where if you're if you're kind of looking for a local position um, and you're kind of looking around to see what you're going to do next, a staffing position can get you working right now and uh, and get you the experience you need or what have you to get to the to the next to the next spot. But um, I think another thing that we that we don't talk about is I think you need to be realistic about why you want to leave where you're leaving. Right. Hmm. Because uh, that can help guide you to to where you want to go. Right. Um, If you're just pissed off because uh, because you had a bad day, you're going to have a bad day everywhere, man. So, um, you know, and you're going to have good days everywhere. So you got to make sure that you're really leaving uh, because of something like the turnover rate in our industry is crazy. And, uh, you know, since we since we uh, we help carriers all over the country find drivers like we do, we do thousands and thousands of placements a month of drivers that are looking for jobs. And we can see that, you know, some of these guys, they're they're applying to jobs every three months. Right. And it's that's kind of like if you if you do that, um, it's a double edged sword on both sides. Right. For the companies, it's hard because they keep losing people because maybe they're not doing the right thing for the drive. But. On the driver's side, if they're applying every three months and they just can't get it right, the companies further down the line start to see that and they may not want to hire you. So we got make sure it's the right fit, right? And then use a mm-hmm. professional service to at least get some consulting on. Let them know your home time needs or if you you hate humanity and never want to see anyone at home, you always want to be over the road. It's very important to just say trucking jobs are not all the same. They're all very different and the demands oh. of them can be different and what they tell you they're going to be can be different. And then have a motive too, right? Understand why you want to leave and, and realize that the team driver you hate in the cab may be yourself. So you're going to have to deal with those problems. What's number four? <laughs> I say, uh, take a look at what's your most important factor for what you want in your next job, right? Is it home time? Because if it is home time, pay might be a little less, 
If it's pay, then you're going to have to be out a little bit further on the road. Is it that you don't want to do a lot of tarping or strapping or, or uh, physical labor? You know, all these things play into the, into that job. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, you know, I heard uh, guys that haul uh, tires, dude, that's a hard job right there. Beverage too. uh, I know a couple, I know a guy who left, he left, he was just doing general like OTR. And he's like, you know, I got a local beverage route. My life is going to be so much easier. The guy left in like two months. He was like, and he was like, he's like, my back is destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's the big thing. You know, a lot of like right now, um, like we take, we pay attention to like what drivers are searching for. Right. And that local job is uh is up like 50 percent over last year so there's a lot more drivers wanting that local position right but those local positions usually come with something like that where you've got to do some some extra physical work and you may not begin you're definitely not going to get paid what you're going to get paid doing teams right yeah. running otr teams no way so um you know and be uh at the at the same time when you're when you're trying to figure out what's most important for you Try and think about what's most important for that next step. Like if you're if you're definitely wanting to be a, become an owner operator, take a look at what field you want to get into, and then get that experience before you get there, right? Because uh, you know owner operators can. I mean, anybody can haul. You can haul water. You can haul oil. You can haul anything. We're down in we're down in Houston, so you know oil's a big industry out here in Texas. You can get some great jobs out there, but you have to have that experience, and it's a lot easier to get that experience through a company. And then you can come in as an owner operator once you have your truck. So you yeah. always be looking forward. This I, I love all five of these. And I, I like that last one. Work with intent on where you want to be next. Go where the ball's going or where you want the ball to be. And this, I mean, this applies in trucking. This, uh, this applies to everything, but think forward and think where that step is going to take you have that great attitude. People want to start 23, 2023 off, right. They, they're thinking about a new job. They need that change. They want your perspective. Where do I send them to? They can go to truckdrivingjobs.com. Um, you know, you, they can find any job there. I want to give you a bonus one, though. Okay. Sure. And this yeah. is, this one's super important. Before you get out there and start looking, before you start talking to people, know what you're worth, right? Because everybody's going to be throwing a lot of things at you over the phone. It's going to be hard to keep track of all that. Know what you are worth. Know what your experience is worth. Look at the job descriptions. Don't you don't need to necessarily have to apply, right? That's why sometimes talking to a recruiter on the phone is really important because you actually get what the job is and how much they're going to pay you and what they think you're worth. Now, truck drivers got to get better at that because truck drivers are worth a lot. And and we need to know that when we're applying to those jobs, we need to let them know that we know that. Very smart. Very smart. Hey, I appreciate these are all great tips. I like how succinct you are, how easy they are and actionable. And obviously a lot of them have to do with, and it's the truth. It has to do with what you want. You can give all the advice you want in the world, but ultimately you got to come to Jesus with yourself a little bit too, and understand where you want to be. I do like the one point you made about education and understanding business. A lot of drivers, you know, they, they hate on company drivers. They like, don't want to do it, but I'll tell you something, having a stable paycheck and not having to do all the books. If you're in a process of learning, and be honest with yourself. Have you learned enough about driving it? If you haven't, it ain't necessarily a bad deal to be on with a company and have uh, and mitigate your risk a little bit while you're learning. Let someone else pay for that for you. Yeah, and even even with owner operators, man, like we've got we've got jobs for owner operators with companies so that they're guaranteed the freight, right? Because that's that's the other part that you don't think about when. Uh, when, when you become that owner operator, you've got to find that freight just because you own that truck doesn't mean, you know, freight sitting there. 
you still got to go get it. Yeah. Hey, I like it so much. I hope you're doing well over there. My buddy Rooster, I think you talked to him on their podcast last week. He's sitting in the dark in Slack. He's telling me his house got struck by lightning. So I got to jump over to those guys and find out what's going on in the world of truck drivers. We really appreciate it. Go to truckdrivingjobs.com. By the way, I'll let you know the two former drivers that you talked to last week, they were nodding the whole time at all of your advice in the background. So I'll say that's a pretty good cosign. Awesome, brother. Thanks very much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Take it easy. And then here's to a good 2023. Hopefully, you know, I'm going to stay optimistic this year, people. I'm not going to bring you down, right? No blood bats. No blood bats around here. Unless, of course, they happen, right? I mean, if they happen, they happen. What am I supposed to do about it? Anyways, I haven't seen these guys in weeks. It's Rooster <laughs> and Super Trucker. Gentlemen, come back up. How was your holiday? Good. Very uneventful. Uneventful? Where'd you get that little uh, kid of yours? Awesome. Um, he got a brand new learning desk. Um, it's got like a nice little stool and different pages that you swap out on the bottom of the, of the desk. So he can learn fruits, colors, numbers, you name it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Maybe you can learn some too. How about yourself? Uh, how about yourself over there? I like your shirt. That was from the lovely Charles Gracie. Uh, you got anything else great for Christmas rooster? Uh, no, you know, I, it's kind of quiet for me on Christmas. You know, it's mainly for the kids, the yeah. cousins, all, niece and nephew. It's mainly for them, you know, uh, dress shirts, pants, stuff like that. That's all I get. I got into like the most depressing game series ever made over the holiday called The Last of Us. And they're mm. making a series on HBO. The first game is is awesome. And it ends and it's it's kind of hopeful, even though it isn't. And like, but it all makes sense. A beautiful little story about a, a dad and this this. I don't even want to spoil it because you're there, but the second one is, I don't know if you guys have ever, you guys aren't console gamers, you haven't played it yet. The second one is just, they take all this and they hit it with a golf club and it's just terrible and I hate everything about it. All right, sorry, I lost it there for a second. Uh, Guys, so hey, Rooster, a big topic of debate, and I saw the LinkedIn, this guy Barry Wimberly, he's a truck driver, and he said, hey, you know, I'm sick of everyone posting about how a truck driver is supposed to clean off their trucks, but then no one telling them how to do it. And I said, you know, maybe he makes a good point. And then I checked with you guys, and I'm like, have we ever done a how-to on it? Has anybody else? We Googled, and no one really had. So Rooster, you jumped uh, behind the keyboard, and you put out some methodology. Tell us a little bit about how the hell you get snow off the top of a trailer that's 13 feet in the air well there's a uh, different ways to do it the easiest way and if you're a team driver you've probably done this before just get a four inch or six inch flatbed strap throw it over the top of the trailer and you know get your teammate to help you pull it back and forth to break the snow up get it off uh there's also different brooms you know they've uh, there's a brand called avalanche you if you clean snow off your house you you know this brand they make actually a uh an angled broom f- for trailers you can go over the top pull the the snow off and if you know you can't if you can't do that uh, sometimes the shippers receivers now have emplacements where you can drive through and it'll uh, it'll knock the snow off yeah we got a video of that show that video let's see that that thing going through the uh yeah there we go that's so satisfying to watch i just want to like scratch my back through that thing i'm glad (laughs) to see that one working because we had one at the postal service but it was always broke (laughs) sounds like government equipment yeah <laughs> yeah i think they i think they used it twice and then never again the other thing i noticed too is that the snow piles up there right where he's driving over it so you got to watch out for that Get some yeah you to st- it's not right off. it's not fully audit because then you need like the snow shovel robot to get rid of all this stuff under there so you can get that stuff off but someone's got to shovel like a giant pile of snow that like trailers are long man yeah they're 53 feet of snow that are knocking off that thing 
And that's that's just yeah. one trailer, you know. If you, if you got a, a drop yard with fifty to a hundred trailers, you know, that's a lot of snow you're clearing off. Now, Rooster, you mentioned those um, the roof cleaners. I used to have one of these in Boston. It was like this big telescoping shovel, basically. And and you do, I always assumed every driver who drove in, like every smart driver who drove in the snow, probably had something like that. Because how else do you get the snow off other than just like driving it off? Well, uh, there's a lot of lazy drivers, and they do drive it off, which you can't do that now. There's laws out. Uh, Christine's Law in Pennsylvania is a real big fine if you're caught doing that nowadays. Uh, you you want to make sure you're safe and legal and all. And you also got to remember, snow is heavy. A couple yeah. inches on top of that 53-foot trailer can add up to at least 2,000 pounds to your weight. So if you're being dumb and you got snow and ice on top and you get to the scale, guess what? You're going to be overweight. And, you know, a, a lot of shippers nowadays will not allow you out. Uh, uh, one one good one, I believe, uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, is Procter and Gamble. Procter and Gamble will not let you leave with snow on top. I believe if I'm right, Tyson Food will not let you leave with snow on top. So, you know, yeah shippers and receivers are looking at this as a liability issue now that the laws are getting more stringent that they don't get caught into caught by clawback if if the court case goes through and it's shown that you know they had opportunity to stop this from happening guess what you know the lawyers will be coming knocking at their door interesting justin i saw someone online say they should have this at every like truck stop at every loves and i just think about all those bridges we see getting struck all the time and i i think it might last like a day <laughs> maybe a couple hours at most yeah. what do you think <laughs> Every every place I ever went to that would put like in a private security gate, I would put, make a little mental note to see how long it would take before somebody smashed into that thing. That's, you just can't have anything nice nowadays. Um, I think what we were saying earlier, try if you've got the space, keep a, a, a telescopic shovel on you handy. Otherwise, you know you're risking going somewhere with the broken equipment. And watch out for that avalanche effect. I'll tell you when I've done my roof before, mm-hmm. a, it'll see like nothing's moving and you're exciting. And then all of a sudden they'll just be like that oh. one snowball that breaks the camel's back and entire, the entire roof will fall <laughs> on you at once. So just be careful. A lot of ice and stuff in that, in that as well. Now over the holidays, guys, I did a big road trip. I drove up to new England. I'm stuck in the car with my wife, two dogs, my kids, you know, young boys. And eventually, you know, some arguments happen. Not everyone wants to go to Wendy's or Burger King or McDonald's. Now team driving, Right. That's much worse. At least when I get to the destination, I don't have to drive with my family all the time, especially professionally. How do you resolve conflicts between team drivers? Rooster, let's start with you. And I think you have a story to tie into this that was just on backthetruckup.com. Yeah, just here a couple of days ago, uh, actually on New Year's, we had a, a team get into an argument over in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. And unfortunately, it escalated to one the driver pulling a gun out on his co-driver and uh, he's now sitting in, in uh, the county jail out there. He's a uh, uh, felon trying to rehabilitate, him, rehabilitate himself you know, by being a truck driver. Well, a uh, felon with a gun is not a good thing, so it, he's going to be uh, probably going back to back to the pokey for a while. But my personal story on not getting along with a team driver actually was back when I was with Werner, going through some going through some retraining. Yeah, for a couple of weeks on the road, and the trainer I was with did not get along at all. Wow. So, well, what do you do in that? Like, what what was it? Did he not like like PC games, and he was a console gamer? What were you guys arguing about? <laughs> uh, you know, all these arguments off, off, often start from the dumbest of reasons. Yeah. He had a <laughs> beaded seat cushion. 
You, okay. You've seen them hanging up in the wall. And if you ever <laughs> sat on one of those things for a prolonged period of time, they yeah. kill you. <laughs> yeah, so they do. You're like, well, this is supposed to keep you awake. You're like, dude, I'm dying over here. Oh, wait, he'd make and you sit in the, you, he'd, like, he would have, it would just be fully installed in the driver's seat. And then when you took over, you'd yes. have to sit on his beads. No, I, okay. I can see that. Uh, being a it problem. was like sitting on a bed of nails for oh, yeah. 10 hours a day. Didn't and he say like, video I showed with, like, it said it was dangerous to even put those there. The one with the airbags that hit the guy in the nuts. It also said, don't put beads behind your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is an old wore out Kenworth owner, operator, trainer, you know, so. Yeah, it was not a fun 14 days out on the road, but I did make it. So, you know, how do you resolve it? Did, like, is you, did you already know your time with him was going to be done soon? So it was just like, I just, just uh, make it through, you know, just had to bite your tongue and door, you know, this too shall pass. But, you know, if you out on the road with it, somebody you're not working with and it's not, you see, it's not going to work out. Uh, try to maintain sanity until you can get to a position where you can uh, talk to us to uh, a training coordinator of uh, whoever handles the training with that company and, you know, politely request, you know, this is not going to work out for me. It's getting a, a little bit uh, conflict conflicting, you know, we're not at each other's throat yet, but it may get a little bit worse. Can, is there an option for me to find a different person to be with? You know, I'd understand I will be probably sitting around for a couple of days waiting for hmm. something to happen. But, you know, it's it's gotten to the point we need to take action on this. Yeah, I mean, we thought it's almost like domestic dispute. It's almost like being married. Well, like we've we've heard of multiple murders that were on back the truck of dot com. Mm -hmm. There were like three different shootings between um, drivers. Justin, you have you you haven't been stuck in the cab with anyone else, have you? Or have no, you? I did team for five years. Oh, you did team for. Yeah, you did. Did you any any That's fights? Right. Did anyone try to make you sit uh, on beads? No, no beads. Oh. Um the company, so that was back when I was a military contractor, and most of the guys that I drove with were a lot older than me. So the first two years, I was with the dad of a guy I went to high school with, and then the next two years, I was with my dad. And in between there, um, there was about three different guys we I was in the truck with for only a few weeks at a time. Two of them were um, drivers we hired from a, a hazardous material waste company that went out of business, and they just couldn't drive. Like politics, personality, doesn't matter. I, I can get along with most people as long as one of us is sleeping and the other one's driving. <laughs> okay. But when you have someone else in the truck that can't drive, you're uh, not yeah. sleeping. That's anxiety. That's, that's, probably, I, that's, that's when I called my company. I was like, get them out of here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling him pull U-turns on, on ramps so he can get around and go the right way. The other guy almost dumped us into like a uh, that these inspection pits when you pull into a military base. You got one guy that goes under the truck as you're driving over and he's inspecting you, and you have a guy at the end who's waving you, going left, right, left, right. Well, he's he's doing like this, and the guy almost dumped the truck into the into the pit. So that that, that was a quick phone call after that. Interesting. Now, see, you can't talk about your most. Bad at, or you're, you probably have more badass loads than you can talk about, I should say, Justin, because of uh, the government <laughs> loads that you pulled. Here's one of this. I mean, this is one of my favorite. I love NASA stuff. We have NASA on here every month. But roll this tape. This is the Orion spacecraft here being moved. This is a badass load right here. As good as yeah, they come. You, did you ever, did you, can you, I don't know if you can even say this. Did you ever get NASA stuff? I did, I've been to Cape Canaveral, not, yeah. not quote unquote NASA, but I've been, I've been to the Cape. Um, I was there probably three months or so before the last shuttle launch. And it was the most depressing place I'd ever been into in my life. Interesting. Like everybody knew the end was coming. It, it, it was just a, a huge bummer. 
Um, so I'm really happy that SpaceX is like kind of taken over and revitalized the whole area. Oh, no, it's it's, uh, it's awesome. What you're looking right there, is, that's the Artemis 1. It would, had been around the moon, mm-hmm. and they were bringing it back to the uh, the, ba- the the base. Rooster, you ever do any oversized loads like this? Uh, all the oversized I did was overlength, uh, hauling light poles, Georgia Power, but you know nothing to this caliber. Interesting, interesting. Now, one of the things that I always see, you know, one of the things that's really important packing the car, and this is something my wife and I fight about, is, is who can do it better. Packaging is is very, very important. Peppa the Pig is learning this. Let's take a look at this, and let's talk a little bit about packaging here, too. Now, like, roll this tape. Yeah, so check this out. One thing that, like, you guys probably get infuriated about this, right? Or, or maybe, like, so my wife are having this big conversation, you know, about all the packaging with Christmas and all these boxes and everything that we have to throw away, and we always have these huge conversations about sustainability and how it's going to hit trucks. We got all this junk. I got a garage full of like cardboard I can't get rid of. But how important is packaging? How much is wasted by packaging? And I'm not just talking about sustainability. I'm talking about packing a truck, just having too much air, right? Have you shipped a lot of air before, Justin? Oh, yes. Uh, my, my record was one and a half pounds in the trailer and two and a half pounds on the truck. Uh, and I went from the West Coast to the East Coast. This is pretty sick. So what this does here is it scans Peppa, right? And it tells you the exact dimensions of like packaging and hopefully can reduce it as much as possible. I mean, you even get 33% done. That's three more Peppa, Peppa the pigs per box, right? <laughs> per shipment that you're getting out there. Now, I'm wondering, do they pallet stack those or do they floor stack them? Like Amazon does a really good job of floor stacking everything. I mean, top, bottom, front to back. The thing is, there's not a single piece of air in that trailer once uh, all those boxes are in there. By the way, that comes from, but to us by Sparks Technology. They're the ones. Uh, they're the ones making that rooster. You think we got too much packaging going on? Think you could pack a truck better than me? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to overhauling, but you know, I've, I've actually done max cube loads, but it's, mo- well, it's mostly air when you're doing potato chip loads, Ooh, especially yeah. going up, especially doing the high altitude semis loads. Are getting hungry for those chips, man. <laughs> hey it is football season man so you know it is, it uh, is. god bless danny hamlin man damar hamlin man yeah. um yeah but you know what we're almost running out of time over here and there's a toy that i didn't get for christmas i'm gonna ask for it this coming year from santa it is i don't know if you guys had this one i think it's a little, slightly before our time this toy came out in 1977 roll the tape of cb mccall hey there good buddy if it's trouble you want you got it this is cb mccall 10-4 CB McCall, a 23-inch long cargo carrier with a built-in CB radio. Speaking the mic, and it comes out through the truck cab. Bear mesh heading your way, his old tricks. There's the Smokey Bear CB patrol car. I'll block the road. Look out, Smokey. I'm coming through. And CB McCall's arch rival, the Bear Masher. Bang oh, I want that. And full of tricks. Wow. Yes. Full on pr- promoting aggression okay, against the police. Okay, we're hunting. <laughs> I looked this up. It was $150 on eBay. It was the cheapest one I could find. Trailer, swing open doors, movable figures, and 18 wheels. Is that plastic or Plus the bear die-cast metal, bear do you uh, You know, back then, you used to be able to get a lot of plastic. Ram. Although this looks kind of plasticky, yeah, doesn't plastic, it? Yeah. CB McCall, Bear Masher, and CB Patrol Car. Comes yeah, back in the day, I mean, die-cast was still a... I wonder, I wonder what that cost when it came out. It's 150 I like the little I'm, CB radio. If you can find one all in one piece, I'd be very impressed because that, that plastic is probably very brittle. 
let's make it our mission to try and find one in pretty good condition this year. We'll all, we'll all work together to do it. If yeah. listen out there, you got one of these CB McCalls, let us know. Now, just before I go, I want to give you anxiety. You used to work for the post office. If you're mailing anything out of China, you heard 70% of the people there have like COVID or something. Look at this. Look at this, man. Yeah. It's just out in the air. I just, any, any rain coming down, dude, just everything's getting soaked. I don't know. Set it on fire and start over. Not not China, like the mail. Like, what do you even do at that point? It's done. Nope. Just wait till about November next year. We'll get there when it gets there. All right. Well, these guys got a new podcast. At least least they're got a new These guys got a new, uh, no, not Happy Hump Day. I hate Hump Day. Get that off my screen. By the way, how do you guys like the new graphics? All right, check them. Like check out the new podcast drop today. Subscribe to What's Rock, where you get podcasts. Find me at Timothy Dunas, D-O-O-N-E-R. Don't be stranger.